This is always a true crime podcast. My mother was murdered in 2016. Join me as I retell her case because I don't want the murderer to get the last word. Her name was Anita. We called her Sticky. And this is her story. Previously on Always... My mom had been missing for four days when police located her. She was dead. Not by natural causes, accident, or suicide. She had been murdered, and her remains were in a place too dangerous for the police to retrieve her without a special team. And so we had to leave the police station knowing that my little mama would spend another night alone, discarded, in the dark. It was Thursday morning, June 2nd, and downstairs in Mona's kitchen, I showed her the text that I had received from Linda. She had one as well. Hi, Mona. This is Linda. Would you please call me when you have a minute? The night before, we learned where my mom was located. We also learned that police interviewed Linda and her husband about my mom's disappearance. We discovered that the husband was arrested but released on an unrelated drug charge, but that he also stopped talking voluntarily about my mom. The police asked us not to engage with her or her husband if they contacted us. They didn't call them suspects, but their actions were suspicious. We recalled how and when they alerted us that something was wrong. I had the missed call with no voicemail, and Mona received the following text from Linda. This is their exchange from May 30th. This is Linda. Please call me ASAP regarding your sister. What's up? Can't talk right now. Anita's missing. Anna just sent me a text. She and I texted yesterday after she got off of work. She didn't mention any plans. The message was at 421. Anna said you're at the police station. Just let me know what they say. Anita was a no-call, no-show. Today? Yesterday. Today is Monday. The messages were on Saturday. I can't text. This has us stressed out. We'll call you in a second. What's the address of her house? 1101 South Jackson. The police just called me. They said they will be assigned a detective. Did you mention to the police that her back door was broken again? I wonder if that needs to be looked at. Yes, Todd told them. I just don't know what to do. In the past, I wouldn't be surprised, but I am now. This doesn't add up. It doesn't add up at all. This has just made me sick wondering where she is. She would never leave her dogs. I'm just sick. Is there anyone she hangs out with? No one that we know of. 
she moved in there the middle of April, and I know she, when she lived here, she never had anyone over and never went to visit anyone except Randy's mom. They stopped texting and talked on the phone instead. Linda told her the story about the wallet being found and that they had been to her house three times. Her car was there, keys, the dogs. They talked about the back door. Mona asked her if it was broken because Sticky had told her it was fixed when she moved in. Linda said that yes, the back door was broken again. And Mona said, Well, that just sounds like an ID channel movie, Linda. None of this makes sense. The conversation stopped then. Linda said she couldn't talk and she had to go. Mona and I took our coffee out onto the back porch and began rehashing what little we knew about these people. We talked about how weird it was that Linda and her husband filed a missing persons report before even speaking with us. It seemed odd to us that they managed to go to her house multiple times, but didn't call her family until after they were at the police station. Why not wait for us to confirm that we didn't know where she was either? We recalled previous interactions with them. We didn't know much about them, having only met them in 2012 when my mom had a heart attack. My mom was in a coma at the time. We didn't know if she was going to survive, but here were these strangers hijacking our visitation with her. Linda was often at the hospital telling anyone and everyone how devastated she was. Mona's a nurse and My son has had three open-heart surgeries, so we've seen some really terrible shit. We might be a bit jaded, but Linda's histrionics were embarrassing. It also annoyed me that she kept calling my mom Turtle. I didn't find it charming when she was saying my mom was so slow like a turtle. My mom was known her entire life as Sticky. It was a sweet childhood nickname originating from her love of candy. Linda's husband just sat there like a quiet little mouse. I didn't know his name and didn't care enough to ask. He piped up once to give me unsolicited advice about my hair, saying, Maybe Santa will send you a hair straightener for Christmas, in a way that made me think he meant himself. The comment was so bizarre and out of place that it stuck with me. But it was when they mentioned making my mom attend church as a condition of her renting a room from them that my irritation got the better of me. I didn't appreciate them acting like she was their charity case. These people seemed to be trying very hard to ingratiate themselves in my mom's life, and it was very strange. In the years following her heart attack, she only mentioned the couple occasionally. I knew she rented a room in their house first, and then an RV parked in the back of their yard. California, where I lived, was not an option for her. It's just too expensive here. But I'll feel guilt for the rest of my life that I didn't work harder to make enough money for her to live here.
she stayed in Missouri because she could afford it and still maintain some independence. It seemed like a good situation for her. Then I got this text from her seven months before she disappeared. I had an intruder last night about three. Somebody was banging on the side of the trailer real hard. Lily came flying out of the cover and started barking, and I guess it scared them. I was already awake when it happened. I wasn't scared, just mad that they woke the girls up. What? That's crazy. It was crazy. Probably a homeless dude seeing if somebody was in here so he could go in and get out of the cold. I wasn't scared. I have a thirty-eight special handgun, and I'm dying to use it. Lily scared the person off, though. I didn't know what to say, so I replied with a water gun emoji. That's it. Just a little bigger. Loaded and ready to go. Maybe it was Bigfoot. I'd let him in. And side note, my mom was obsessed with Bigfoot. <laughs> anyway. I thought you were parked at your friend's house. I am. That's what's crazy. Nice houses. People next door built a huge house with a guest house and a swimming pool. I told my friends about it this morning. Creepy. Real creepy. I just got excited when I got the gun out. You're a nut. They should be scared of you. Ha ha ha. I want to take, and will, an eight-hour course for carrying a concealed weapon when I can. They even give you donuts in the a.m. and lunch. Mona has one, and a lot of girls I know did it. I was concerned about the incident, but she seemed to joke and wasn't scared, so I brushed it off. I saved that text, though. I still have it on my phone, along with others like these, three months before her disappearance. Time to get my own place. Linda wants her room back again so they can live in here, and she's turning her house into a salon. What happened to your little RV? They sold it. I didn't get shit. Oh no, I thought it was yours. They had it in their name because they knew the people. I was just paying on it. I did too. Got ripped off. Bummer, I'm sorry. It was little and I had a hard time carrying laundry back and forth. Plus, she talked me into selling her my car for $1,000, which I never got. I'm using her car to get around. Driving the VW was killing my legs, shifting all the time. But I was stupid and trusted her. That's why I was looking for a car when I talked to you at the dealership. But I couldn't do that to you in case something happened to me. I didn't want to do anything to your credit. I'm getting the car back from them. He is not taking care of it at all. Makes me sick. I knew Linda was nuts. 
but now I know she's really nutso. Can't trust her. She ended with, Excited about moving and can't worry about the past anymore. Worrying about the past was all Mona and I could do, though. It was easier than thinking about the recovery effort. The Joplin PD updated us first later that afternoon, and then the public. Update number one. Lana Anita Dunn was entered as a missing person on May 30th at 3.30 p.m. Dunn was last heard from on Saturday, May 28th at 4 p.m. In response to the missing person report, Investigators have followed over 50 leads and conducted a number of interviews. As a result of the investigation on Wednesday, June 1st at 1.40 p.m., the Joplin SWAT team and Joplin detectives, with the assistance of the Joplin Fire Department, Missouri State Highway Patrol, and four state search and rescue joined together to conduct an area search. The Joplin Police Department regrets to announce that late in the evening on June 1st, we located a yet-to-be-identified body on private property north of Bell Center Lane and east of North Pump Lane. The investigation continues. Update number two, autopsy scheduled. The autopsy has been scheduled for Friday, June 3rd at 10 a.m. at Frontier Forensics in Kansas City, Kansas. The identification of the body will not be confirmed until after the autopsy. Note, the update left this Jap Jasper County Sheriff's Department off the list of assisting agencies. They played a vital role in the efforts along with everyone else. And from the news. A body west of the city, they're now trying to determine if it's linked to a missing persons case. Late last night, police located a body on private property north of Bell Center Road and east of North Pump Lane. That body has yet to be identified. An autopsy has been scheduled for 10 tomorrow morning in Kansas City, and the identification will not be confirmed until after the autopsy. Police, along with the fire department, Missouri Howie Patrol, and four state search and rescue began looking in the area yesterday afternoon. For the past several days, police have been searching for Wilana Anita Dunn, who was reported missing on May 30th. Officers say they've received more than 50 leads in this case. Dunn's family says she has past medical issues and they're concerned about her well-being. Anyone with information about her whereabouts should call 417-623-3131. We knew a few more details than the public, though that it was her phone, the iPhone that I had bought her and kept on our plan, had pinged a location 
which led police to conduct an area search. And items of evidence were found near an abandoned, flooded mine shaft. They had to send a robotic camera down. It was submerged nearly 100 feet when it revealed images of my mom. Her body had been tied to a rock and thrown into terrible black water. Friday, June 3rd. While my mom's remains were being autopsied in Kansas City, I was consumed with what her final moments must have been like. How terrified she must have been. I could only hope that it had been quick and she didn't realize what was happening to her. I remembered what it was like four years earlier during her heart attack. Surely that would have been a better way to die. She had seemed so peaceful then. A heart attack I can understand. She was a smoker. It was expected. I would have been okay then if she had not awakened. It would have been natural. But this was not natural. This was a horror show. We went to the mortuary to begin planning a service. My mom didn't have a will, but she had made her wishes known long ago. She had been traumatized by her brother's funeral and did not want to be buried. She wanted to be cremated like her husband. We had to inform the mortuary that detectives would be in attendance at the service. The police wanted to see who would be there and if anyone acted suspiciously. Mona slumped down into the couch. She seemed to be getting smaller as she spoke of her big sister. And I just sat like a statue, cold and unmoving. The service would be held on Monday. My best friend of 30 years was flying in later that day to be with me. Lynette is like my sister, and she and my mom were very close. They had a relationship secondary to me. Lynette reminded me that my mom loved the ACDC song, Have a Drink on Me. So we played it on repeat, and we had lots of drinks in her honor. We shared memories and tried to write the obituary that was due that night so it could make the next day's paper. But it proved too difficult for me. I defaulted to some simple bland sentences. How do you sum up somebody's life in a few paragraphs? Later that night, the murderer was arrested. Statement from Joplin PD. 
Update number three, identity confirmed, arrest made, Chief Stewart, Chief of Police. The autopsy has been completed. The identity of the deceased is Willanna A. Dunn, 61, Joplin, and the cause of death is homicide. Today at approximately 4.15, Joplin police detectives arrested Todd A. Greathouse, 53, Webb City, in connection with the homicide of Willanna A. Dunn. And from the Joplin Globe. Updated. Woman's death ruled homicide. Landlord under arrest. An autopsy identified a body found Thursday near Joplin as that of 61-year-old Willanna Dunn and confirmed that her death was a homicide, leading to the arrest Friday of her landlord. Joplin Police Captain Bob Hickenbotham said that the autopsy performed at Frontier Forensics in Kansas City, Kansas determined the manner of Dunn's death to be homicide but investigators were keeping mum on autopsy findings with respect to the cause of death. We don't have all the results yet, Higginbotham said. He said Dunn's landlord, Todd A. Greathouse, 53, of Webb City, was arrested about 4.15 Friday in connection with her death. No charges have been filed by Friday night. The victim lived alone in a home in the 1100 block of South Jackson Avenue that she rented from Great House, according to police. Her body was recovered by searchers Wednesday night on private property north of Bell Center Road and East Pump Lane. The property is just west of city limits and adjacent to the old Joplin City Landfill. Great House has been a part-time employee of Hilly, Hillbilly Pumping and Hauling, a business located along Pump Lane, which is a little more than a dirt path off Bell Center Road. Police have declined to say if the victim's body was buried or concealed in some manner on the property. There are old mine shafts in the area. Cadaver dogs were used in the search that recovered the body. Dunn, who was living in the Joplin area, was last heard from about 4 p.m. Saturday by a family member who spoke with her by phone. Her vehicle was found parked at her home when her disappearance later came to the attention of family and police. Higginbotham declined to say where investigators believe she was killed. An officer on patrol Sunday happened to find her wallet on a sidewalk at 11th Street and Jackson Avenue. Identification in the wallet listed an address in Webb City. Joplin Police asked Webb City Police to go to the address and inform Dunn that Joplin Police had her wallet. The Webb City address turned out to be where Great House and his wife lived. Higginbotham said that the Great House has told Webb City that she no longer lived in that place.
place that she, she had only formally rented from their residence. But they did not tell Webb City Police that she was living in the house they owned on 1101 South Jackson Avenue in Joplin, he said. It was not until the following day that the Great Houses came to the Joplin Police Station to report that they had been to her home on Jackson to check on her and that she was not there. They were concerned about her dogs being left alone and that she never leaves them alone, Higginbotham said. He said the Great Houses accompanied police back to Dunn's home on Monday and they led officers inside. Since Dunn had yet to return, it was the Great Houses who first filed a missing persons report, he said. Higginbotham said police said investigators lacked contact information for Dunn's family until the family got a hold of police on Tuesday to con express concern with not having heard from her. That concern intensified Wednesday and led to the search of the property on Pump Lane where the body was found. Police have 24 hours to charge Great House in connection with the homicide or release. Court records. Jasper County Circuit Court records indicate that a warrant was issued for Todd Great House's arrest on May 25th when he failed to show up at court in Carthage on a misdemeanor count of possession of marijuana. And here's a clip from Four States' homepage. A body found west of the city and have ruled the death a homicide. Around 4.15 this afternoon, Joplin police arrested a 53-year-old Todd Greyhouse of Webb City in connection to the homicide of Willana Dunn. Law enforcement found Dunn's body on private property north of Bell Center Road and east of North Pump Lane. That was on Wednesday night. An autopsy conducted earlier today confirmed the body was Dunn's and the cause of death was homicide. Dunn was reported missing on May 30th and police say they received more than 50 leads in her case before finding her body. Charges have officially been filed against a Web City man accused of murder. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Lauren Lapka. The Jasper County prosecutor has filed a charge of murder in the first degree against 53-year-old Todd Greathouse of Webb City. The charges stem from the disappearance and subsequent discovery of the body of Willana Dunn. Investigators found Dunn's body on a piece of private property north of Bell Center Road Wednesday night. An autopsy was conducted confirming the body was Dunn's and that the cause of death was homicide. Dunn was reported missing on May 30th, investigators say nearly 80 leads came in during the course of the investigation. Great House is being held on a $200,000 cash-only bond. Next time on Always, the lies begin.